0: chapter three we've been studying about the prayers that Paul prayed and they were effectual and I just know that God's doing some awesome things in your life and thank God for the revelation but we're going to see something else here tonight in Ephesians chapter three because we've done Ephesians chapter one the prayer he prayed there but I want you to see in Ephesians chapter three verse 14. He says, for this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that you, you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height." And to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto Him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all the ages, world without end. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. No matter what they're saying about global warming, no matter what they're saying about the end, is not over till Jesus says it's over. Amen. And what I want to share with you tonight, while we study in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul made it known what we have received as part of our inheritance as sons and daughters of the Most High God. When he prayed for the church, and after all, if you notice how many times he said you, Paul wasn't praying for himself, Paul was praying for you and I, the church, today. He was praying for the church without end, the church that would always read these letters and be prompted and and, and just imparted to by them. And he's saying it's not just for you to know what has been given to you in the area of inheritance, but in chapter three, he's saying, I want you to know what you have inherited as far as ability goes. It's not just knowledge. In Ephesians chapter 1, he says that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened. Ephesians chapter 1 is that you are to gain knowledge. Ephesians chapter 3 is how to know how to use that knowledge and that you have the ability to effectively use the knowledge that he's given us. Amen. So we receive this revelation and we find out that the church, as a church, we have purpose. We have resources available to fulfill God's will. And we have the ability to receive it. How many of you know you have a purpose in life and it's to build the kingdom of God and represent him here on this earth? Amen. Now, in chapter three, he talks about spiritual strength to make known his work. And in Ephesians chapter three, verse 10, it says in verse 11, uh, well, verse 14, where we started for this cause, I bow my knees unto the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he just gets a revelation that we're going to study tonight. And this revelation impacts them in such a degree. And as we study it tonight, I believe it's going to impact you too. Because the same Holy Spirit who gave it to Paul is the same Holy Spirit who wants to give it to you tonight. And when Paul received this revelation, he says, I hit my knees. It was so impacting this revelation of how God wants to use the church. And how Jesus Jesus is not here personally. To, to, to win the world, but his church is. And it impacted him in such a degree of this revelation he received in verses 10 through 13 that he hid his knees praying, Father, I pray that you open their eyes and that they will be able to see what has been imparted into them. Say, that's me. That's me. That Paul hid his knees and says, Father, they've got to see this. They've got to see that it's just not a matter of just being a participator, but you are called to be a demonstration of the power of God that even the angels are looking over, stooping over the mercy seat from heaven and trying to understand what God did when He sent His Son. They're trying to understand redemption. And that means we are the professors and the angels are the students when it comes to redemption. They cannot understand how the Creator became a creation to cause creation to rise in the image of the Creator. They don't understand how God became the created man, the Creator. Came as a created baby, grew up as a created man, redeemed mankind as a man, and by redeeming us, brought us up to be imitators of God as dear children. Oh, hallelujah! Hallelujah! And the angels don't understand that after all these years of what the devil have done, that Jesus gave us authority, power, dominion, revelation. He's given us His name to where the devil cannot stand up against you when you use authority of that name. That the devil himself and all the fallen demons cannot stand up to you just like they couldn't stand up to Jesus, God in flesh, when He walked this world. And the angels are flying around and they're ministering servants. But they can't do what you can do because you are a redeemed one. And they can't understand how you, using the name of Jesus, has the same authority, dominion and power as when Jesus walked this earth. And so they're trying to understand, would you look at that? So to see what made Paul get into uh, attitude of prayer, we need to study verse 10. And it says in verse 10, To the intent. Verse 9 says, To make all men see. Now listen, if you want to go to another level, it's all up to you if you want to see it. To make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. That's what you've got. Which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. To the intent that now Unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church. The manifold wisdom of God. According to the eternal purpose which He purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by faith of Him. Wherefore I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you which is for your glory. That He started praying. He didn't pray about His tribulations. He didn't pray about His need. He prayed for you. That this night, you'll get a hold of something. And it'll change and transform your life. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. So we see here that you may not know it, but you're here to demonstrate the authority of Jesus. Write that down. Somebody says, I don't even know why I was born. Write down. I was born to demonstrate the authority of the name of Jesus. Amen? Jesus is not here in person to demonstrate, but you are here to demonstrate in His position because you have it, His name. That's part of the manifold wisdom of God which would be clearly seen and evident that the heavenlies would see His plan manifested. You need to understand this. When, you know, people say when they're getting oil rights, they may find a little bit of oil on some, the neighbor's property, but they want to find the source. Everybody wants to find the source because the source is the main thing. Well, you on the earth, you are the source. of The church is the source of the full manifestation of God's kingdom here on this earth. You are the source. The church arising and we getting a revelation and praying this for one another and getting revelation of the manifold wisdom of God, the mystery that we share. Maha, the Muslims, they're waiting for their Messiah to come back. And the Jews are waiting for the, who they call the Messiah to come. They're still waiting on their Messiah. But the church, for the church, Jesus has already come, died and rose again. And he lives within you and I. And what's going to change the world is when the church starts manifesting in the fullness, the power and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. David said, your work shall praise you. Look at your neighbor and say, you are a work of God. Hallelujah. Now, listen to this. He said, I just want you to see some of this and I just I want you to see something about the source. He said that the wisdom of God, that God will give you the wisdom that you will see the full manifestation, that the church is the manifestation, that even the principalities and powers and the heavenlies are trying to understand everything. You, we're always praying, Pastor, pray that I can get wisdom. You are the manifestation of the wisdom of God on this earth. It's time to get a revelation of it. I don't want to live a life guessing. I don't want to live a life chancing. I don't want to live a life and see my life end up and that I haven't done anything with my life. Paul is praying. You've got to realize here. Your sole purpose is that you have to manifest the wisdom of God on this earth. You have to manifest the power of God on this earth. You have to manifest the love of God on this earth. You are here to manifest and demonstrate Everything that God is, because you are like God. I'm going to jump the gun here, but I was studying on the blood. As you know, we've been having communion every Sunday. I was studying a scientific book on the blood today. And it says that the blood carries not only DNA, but the blood carries information of past genealogies. That's why when you go to the doctor, they want to know, have any of your ancestors ever had cancer? Have have any of your ancestors ever had leukemia? Has any of your ancestors ever had this? They want to know, in other words, the history of the blood that is in your veins. But when we got born again, we got a hold of the blood of God. And let me tell you about the history of my God. Let me tell you about the one who raised the dead, cleansed the lepers, opened blind eyes. That's the blood I'm talking about tonight. Amen. Amen. So anyway, you've got to save that for Sunday. But it's just so exciting. Because i got a history that is the history of the ages. You have a history. You have a mystery. That you are here to demonstrate heaven on earth. When we pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. He's not going to come set up pillars here. His kingdom's demonstrated through you. That's why it's so important. We grow in the things and in the mysteries, and we're we're growing. And this year is going to be supernatural year. You know, I know it. I know it. I know it. So many supernatural things are, are just being put in position because He wants to demonstrate the church has the wisdom. And that the world needs to be coming to the church. Right. What to do? Right. Politicians need to be coming to the church. And how many you know, the Christian politicians right now are getting a lot of attention because yes. they want to bring America back to morality. Yes. And uh, something that's in the work right now, you know, I, I got to be part of putting the mayor back into office. Well, I got some news today. Now they want me to put... Help put Bobby Jindal into office the 13th of January. They want me to be part of the inauguration. So praise God. I'm excited about it. I'm more excited than you are. What a privilege. Pull this little missionary preacher out of Pineville to go pray the governor in through the Holy Ghost. But they ought to be coming to the church. Y'all don't know, sometimes the secretary does, and my wife does, but so many times we'd get calls all during the campaign. Pastor, all I could tell you, pray and please pray hard. And, and I just all constantly, constantly we got calls to be praying and, and different things they were asking. They were calling the church for prayer, help, and counsel. Well, that's how everything ought to operate. But what they've seen, what the world has seen, Splits and fights and all kind of other things. And they didn't want to come to the church. But God in this last hour is wanting to raise up a church. that They're going to say, we need to go to church to get the answer. We need to go to church to get healing. We need to go to church to get the wisdom. Because that's what Paul is saying. They need to get the answers from God's people here on this earth. Can I hear an amen? amen? Amen. You know what? No matter what you say about yourself... In in the three weeks you'll be through saying whatever you've said about yourself because I'm gonna work. Holy Ghost has already told me to work on that. But you know what? How many know God's pretty smart? (laughs) Well, He wants the church to manifest how smart He is. That jerked me. Wow! That shook me right there. Wisdom means smart. And as we seek the mind of Christ, and He says, whose mind ye have? The world wants to see us not acting like a bunch of confused, tossed to and fro, immature children, but kings and priests reigning in this life through Jesus Christ. Amen. No more the church is fighting over where they have a coat hanger, coat uh, pe- pegs for the coat and hats. The church is busy fighting devils and going to the hospitals and getting people out of the bed and giving people hope and preaching peace. And there's a lot of people who only ain't here tonight. You know, this place is pretty packed on Sundays and it's not that packed tonight. But I speak it in the air that they're even getting something in their spirit tonight. And they're going to wake up and they're going to realize that they are in the ministry whether they like it or not. And it is time in 08 to get ready to walk and demonstrate the fullness of He who called you by His grace. Because it's not our smart; it's the grace. It's the gift of grace given to us by God. It's not our power, but it's a gift of power given by the power of the Holy Spirit who indwells and lives in you and strengthens you to do what revelation knowledge shows you. Glory be to God. This is good. And when I read about, you know, we're supposed to demonstrate the smarts to the church, it reminded me of what Paul said. And I identify with this. He didn't call many wise. He didn't call many of noble blood. He didn't call many of money or riches or position, but He chose the foolish things to confine the wise. Or in other words, demonstrate the smarts of God. Glory be to God. Amen? So when we operate as sons and daughters and the devil is humiliated, how many know God is glorified? Amen? Hallelujah. Now... It says that we won't go into this, but it says that the angels, the principalities and powers, they're spectators viewing the great plan of redemption that they must see through the church to make known or enlighten and empower them. It means the word manifold means diversity uh, marked with the great variety of colors and people and different types of people and all tribes and nations coming together to be part of the body of Christ. And uh, I want to show you an example. Of of what's happening in the spirit realm in First Kings chapter ten, th- this is more or less I believe an example of how we are supposed to be operating. First Kings chapter ten. And you know, in, in the short time we've been here, how uh, I many know we've seen a lot of great things happen. You know, we were able to buy this land cash. We were able to build this building cash. And, and buy everything in here, cash, and uh, we're paying for the property on the side of us. But thank God, by faith in Jesus' name, that's paid so we can go ahead and build the next phase. And we've seen people come. We've seen people get saved. We've seen many, many babies survived and that were declared that they were going to die, many cancer. We've seen a lot of things in the short time we're here, but we haven't seen nothing yet. And like I've been sharing for weeks now, that we are walking now where God is bringing the church. We're going to be in a new level of maturity. And we've been studying that for weeks now on Sunday night. But I want you to see in First Kings chapter 10, that something has to be seen so God and His wisdom and His work can be believed in. Amen. Amen. Now, you know, as Christians, we walk by faith, not by sight. But the world walks by sight. The world walks by sight. And Paul is saying, Ephesians 1, I pray that you get knowledge. But Ephesians 3, I pray that you you can demonstrate the knowledge because God wants to demonstrate who He is through the church. And so the world goes by what they see. And they're going after other religions and they're going after so many other things because they just not have seen it. But hallelujah, they are starting to see it and they're going to see it in you. Amen. Amen. I'm so glad you're excited about this. So it says in 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 1, And when the queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon... Now, I want you to see this. And when the world hears of the fame of Jesus in the church concerning the name... Listen, it wasn't just about the fame of Solomon, but it was about the fame of of the name of the Lord that made Solomon who he was. It wasn't the man who was the famous attraction. It was the Lord Amen. of the man. Amen. And and what's been going on is that men and women have been wanting the fame for the world to see them and come to them. But it's not about the man or the woman. It's about the head of the church. It's not about Solomon... It wasn't even that he was the son of the king. It was about the name of the Lord that no man could build a kingdom. And be so prosperous and so blessed and so mighty because of the wisdom of a man. But it was a man who had to give all the glory to his God who gave him the wisdom on how to build and establish the kingdom. And today, you and I are the kings and the princesses and the priests of the Lord. That we are not building something by the wisdom of man, but we are building through the wisdom and the power of God to demonstrate the kingdom of God on this earth that they can say, It's not word of grace. Tell me about the Lord who is Lord over word of grace. Amen, church. Woo. Mm. So here comes the queen and here comes the world who heard about the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord. And she came to test him with difficult questions. How many know the world's got some difficult questions? And so she came to Jerusalem with a very large bounty and with camels carrying spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. How many know the world, their heart is full? And they need someone to speak to. And Solomon answered all of her questions. That's where we're going, church. Nothing was hidden from the king, which he did not explain to her. And when the queen of Sheba perceived all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he built, the food of his table, the seating of his servants, the attendance of his waiters, and the attire of his cupbearers, and his stairway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. She passed out. She went, golly. (laughs) She didn't know what to say. Here is the queen of a prosperous nation. She says, there is no kingdom like this kingdom. And I want to show you that what Paul is praying is that, that what God wants to do in the church be overwhelming to the world. That what God is doing in the church be overwhelming to the world. And what she saw, and I want to give you these points and you can write it down because this is part of your purpose here on this earth. She saw it, so that meant that the, what God was doing and what God is doing is obvious. Write that down. Obvious. Obvious. One of the definitions of the word obvious is it's something you don't have to point out. There's so many people who come here and they say, man, I just walked in here and I felt the presence of God. We don't want the type of service where you got to spend an hour hyping people up. We want a church to where they are church 24 hours, 7 days a week walking in the maturity of the Word and the Spirit of God, that we don't have to hype them up. They're already hot and zealous for the things of God. And that we don't have to go around pointing out things. They go around, and they go to the children's church on Sunday morning, and they see the young people praying for the sick and prophesying, and they go, it's obvious God is in the children's church. Then on Wednesday night, they go in the youth, and they're back there right now, and they're totally just rocking and praising God, and they go, it's obvious God is doing something in the youth. And then they go over here to the little Sunday school classes of the little two and three and four and five and six and eight years old, and they go, oh my God, it's obvious that God is doing something here, and they go in the foyer, and instead of seeing a bunch of people walk around, like you will never do again. (laughs) Oh my, oh my, oh my. I just don't know what to tell you. I just don't know what to say. Instead of going to the seen up hearing and seeing a bunch of down and out lemon suckers. And they see people going around, praise God, let me tell you what God did. He just sent His angel and rescued me from a, a from a, almost what seemed to be a wreck and healed my child. I laid hands and she was immediately healed. And they go around and everywhere they go, they keep hearing signs and wonders and miracles and excitement. And they see people's awful of love and everybody's happy and everybody's getting along. and everybody just saying, I love you and I love you too. And God bless you and God bless you. And they see all these wonderful things happen. Well, how long have you been in this church? Eight years? How long have you been here? Just six years. How long have you been here? I mean, Thank God has been doing so many words. It is obvious that this is the house of God. The second word is that it was overwhelming. She passed out. Spirit left. Wow, this is overwhelming. Four-year-olds praying for the sick and prophesying. Eight-year-olds? Your youth? You mean your youth are not having sex in the parking lot? You mean your youth is not passing out drugs in the parking lot? You mean your youth are holding hands and praying and prophesying over one another in the parking lot? It's overwhelming. Next, it's comprehensive. Comprehensible. And I'll share what that means in a minute. Wow. Comprehensible. I'll tell you some areas in a minute. It's consistent. It's consistent. And what consistent means? It only goes up in quality over the time. It doesn't go down. It incorporates many. It's not the work of one. It's the work of everyone. She looked at everything, and when you do it God's way, it it brings and attracts the blessings of God. It brings and attracts the blessings of God And it also sets standards. It sets standards on how to live, how to receive, how to be. Amen? Now verse 4 and 5 says, When the queen of Sheba perceived all the wisdom of Solomon, and the house that he built, and the food of his table, the seating of his servants, the attendance of his waiters, their tar, his cutbearers, his stairway, which he went to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. So I want to give you a few points about this because I believe this goes along with what Paul is trying to say of how the church is supposed to be. Number one, we are supposed to be the wise ones walking in discernment word the wisdom, word the knowledge and the wisdom of God. She saw the wisdom of Solomon that the Lord gave her. And so we must be the ones who are wise with the Word. That means we must go through training. We must study to show ourselves approved. We've got to stay in the Word, stay in tape, stay in prayer, stay in fasting. So we've got to be trained to be stewards and walk in the wisdom and have the mind of Christ. Number two. She was impressed by the faculties. She was impressed by the buildings. She was impressed by all the different things around the buildings. And that's, that's, that's what, it was top grade. It was excellent. It was kept up. It was useful. No wasted space. I mean, in a way, this, this church here, uh, I know many of you know this, but I had drawn the plans to this building and we were going to the architect the next day. That night, I had a dream. And in this dream, the Holy Spirit walked me through this, this building in my dream. I got up the next morning, got a ruler and a pencil, and, and I drew it out. Then we did some more work onto it. But this outline was given by the Holy Spirit. He built it. And there's no wasted space. In fact, we, gotta, we keep enlarging. And we got to enlarge more. And if you don't know it, this back wall comes down. And that new addition... D- connects to four more additions. It turns into a 20, over two thousand seat auditorium with all kind of other stuff. It all turns into bigger and bigger. It all connects and adds on. Why? The vision of the Holy Spirit. No wasted space. Guess what? And also no wasted money. You just connect and go. Connect and go. Connect and go. Hallelujah. Well, y'all quiet tonight. Y'all mad at me? Number three. They were impressed with the food. They were impressed with the food. How many know? People, I, have, I had people tell me even this Sunday morning, they said, I, uh, they've been coming for about a month. They said, we have not heard someone preach boldly and fire and brimstone like that in a long time. And people say, you know, we used to go to churches where they, sh- they may show you one scripture and that's it. How many know you get a lot of scripture here? You get a lot of definitions here, but not only that. When you talk to one another, and when other people share the word, and other people teach the word, you can tell they've been in the word. Amen. You can tell when somebody don't have nothing to say, and you can tell when someone's prepared and they have plenty to say. How many know we? Stu- how many know we studied Ephesians for three and a half years, three hundred and twenty lessons. How many know you can't just do that at the back of your hand? How many know you got to study? So they noticed the food. They noticed the the preparation, the revelation, the anointed, the heartfelt word. But number four, they also noticed the seating of his servants. The seating of his servants. I want you to write down organization, staff. The seating of his servants. And there you see something very important. They wasn't just admiring Solomon because it wasn't just about Solomon. They also admired. Was, she was also admiring the ministries, tape ministry, single ministry, prison ministry, internet ministry, secretary administration, uh, mercy ministry. She was admiring Bible school and Sunday school. They go and they admire the ministry and the staff. Wow, they're happy, happy. They enjoy what they're doing. What's your ministry? Putting up with a bunch of little devils. How many you know we don't want Sunday school teachers like that? Amen? What's that room over there? That's where they lock all the crib babies up and hope they don't cry. How many you know we don't have that type of staff here? Amen? But, but she was admiring the type of the organization, the staff, that it was done wholeheartedly. Can I help you? Where's the uh, youth room? What do our ushers do? Our ushers do? Oh, here, let me show you. They don't say, well, it's down the hall over there. Well, how far down the hall? Just go till you find it. We don't want a church like that. When someone comes in and they go, where's the youth meeting? Here, let me show you. Or they come in, they go, where's the restroom?" Well, go till you see the sign. No, no, no. Where's the restroom? Well, here, let me show you. Uh, Where do the babies go? Well, here, let me show you. Where do I sign up? Here, let me show you. That's what needs to be seen. Amen? (laughs) Number five, she saw the cupbearers. That's the helps ministry. Helps ministry. Back there working the computer and the sound. All those who participate in that. The cleaning. All the, all the different types of helps ministry. That's just so important. Somebody says, that's not much of a ministry. Oh yeah? What did Nehemiah do? He rebuilt the city. What did Stephen do? Miracles, signs and wonders because he was highly anointed of God. Cupbearers. Number six. Write this down. She noticed their attire. And I, I know you're going to think, well, that must have to do with clothes. It has to do with the heart. It has to do with faithfulness. The attire. It has to do with willingness. It has to do with the attitude of the heart. I mean, you know, it, they, The world says the clothes makes the man. But you know what? I could go put me on a suit from J.C. Penney's and I could put on a suit from Dillard's. And I am who I am in whatever suit I put on. So the attire speaks, write this down, personal life. Because it's really what's close to you. Personal life, personal victory. Personal victory. The attire also represents the outward appearance, not just the clothes. But the face, the heart, the words, the attitude. That it's just not normal. Sometimes the outward appearance shows depression, or I just don't care or loneliness or unworthiness or religion. But how many of you know that the attire should be the attire of victory? Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner of victory. Amen? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. So that's what it was talk that's just an example there, what Paul was talking about. So we'll go back to Ephesians chapter three and And I'll get ready to close here for tonight, but how many's already got a bunch? Amen, it's good, huh? Praise God Ephesians chapter three, verse eleven and twelve according to the eternal purpose or what God's purpose for the church is, which He purposed in Christ Jesus, our Lord in whom we have boldness and excess with confidence by the faith of Him. So now he's praying that we are a special people to show forth His wisdom to the heavenlies and demonstrate and having boldness and confidence and authority over the devil. And that we prayed, that he was praying that we would get the revelation that God will be manifested for the eternal purpose. you see that word, the eternal purpose? According to the eternal purpose, that means the purpose of the ages. Now get ready for this. Verse 11, according to His eternal purpose. Now get ready for this. In the Greek, this is what that word eternal purpose means. But according to the opinion of God. The eternal purpose in the Greek is the opinion of God. That's why the church doesn't need to worry about the opinion of liberals, or what the world has to say or anything else. The church is not built upon the opinion of man. It's built upon the name of Jesus Christ. We do not operate according to the opinion of the devil, the opinion of man. We do not operate according to the opinion of a government. We operate according to the the opinion of the kingdom of heaven. So we are called to this eternal purpose. The eternal purpose, His opinion... Write this down. His opinion of His own possession. His opinion of His own possession. That's what He's saying there in verse 11. According to His eternal opinion with His own possession through Christ Jesus. He purposed and carried to all effect to secure the future. For the church. It's eight o'clock. So I'll stop there and we will continue with verse 12. And you say, well, we're supposed to be studying the prayers. How many know you get a revelation of all this and then you go into the prayers, you're going to blow some things up. Amen. That's why when he got a hold of this, he says, wow, the opinion, not the opinion of Caesar, not the opinion of Rome, not the opinion of the scribes and the Pharisees, not the opinion of my fellow Jews, not the opinion of the Gentiles, not the opinion of the witch doctors, not the opinion of the sorcerers. It doesn't matter about the opinion of anyone, but he is already purposed in Christ Jesus, in his own opinion for his own possession, that ye be the church without end, his possession, to manifest all that Is. Go ahead and stand up. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. We praise you.